Let me invite your attention to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25, we'll begin reading at verse 23. But before I read, um, I, I, I always feel it incumbent upon me to uh, explain to you that um, if, you, if you've ever wondered about what, what is it, what are some of the uniquenesses of Gracie Van? I'm not sure there are many, but one of the uniquenesses of Gracie Van is this sacrament. Not that we're the only ones that do it, but we do take it very seriously. In, in, um, in my experience as a child, the Lord's Supper was nothing but an add-on at the end of the service. It was something that you did uh, kind of on your way out. What we try to do, not that we're successful, I'm not sure that we uh, succeed in doing what we're, but what we're trying to do is to make this something that is a different kind of worship service where you are really kind of center stage, that this is between not you and what the preacher says, but it's between you and the emblems and the realities to which the emblems point. So my sermon, my sermon is shorter, and I know that makes a lot of people happy. But the design of that is so that we can we can enjoy this at a level that that is beyond merely ritual. Okay, that's do that. It's it's the it's the day that we do that. No, we're trying to. Drain this thing dry. That is, in its meaning. So that's that's why we do what we do, and hopefully that'll be something that you enjoy. You follow now as I read from Exodus 25, at verse 23. You shall make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make a rim around it a handbreadth, handbreadth wide and a molding of gold around the rim. And you shall make for its, for it four rings of gold and fasten the rings to the corner, four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame, the rings shall lie as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and the table shall be carried with these. And you shall make it, you shall make its plates and dishes for incense and its flagons and bowls with which to pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold. And you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. Now, you, I know you don't remember this, but back in July, I started this thing which, um, which I called the bread tour. Um, we skipped August because I was out of town. So what I, what I want to do this morning is to continue on that, that same thing of July that I called a bread tour. What I'm trying to do is merely enrich our times around this table 
by showing you just a just a bit of the role that bread played in the worship of God's people in the Old Testament. And and then trying to make some application from that uh, for our present circumstances in this sacrament that we call the Lord's Supper. Now, guys, the first thing that you've got to understand about this, this sacrament is that sacraments are symbols. Most of what is richly meaningful here is symbolic. That is a symbol. It's a symbol. It's a very odd symbol. It's odd in the sense that why would a religion ever choose to use a method of execution as its symbol? Early on, there was the fish, but that's been pretty much discarded. Not discarded, but certainly second to that. This is a symbol. And guys, when you look at it or when you wear it, it has all kinds of rich significance for you as a symbol. That's how symbols operate. This symbol has numerous layers to it. Just like that one does. For some of you, when you look at it, one thing comes to mind. For others of you, another thing. Because the, the, the symbolic value of that is layered. That is true of this, guys. I just read you a text that... If you were trying to read your Bible through, uh, you know, starting at Genesis 1-1 and reading to the end of Revelation, I just read you a portion out of the book of Exodus that had you come to it, you would have probably said, oh my goodness, just skip that. But it has to do with the piece of furniture. Now guys, in the temple or the tabernacle, depending, the tabernacle was just the temporary version of the temple that, that was built by Solomon. Once Israel was ensconced in, in Jerusalem, they built the temple. But the, the temporary version of that was the thing they called the tabernacle. But, but all its, its rooms were the same. And there were several pieces of furniture in that tabernacle. Actually, there were only four. But three of them were found in the main room. The main room was called the holy place. The room in the back, the big room was called the holiest of the holies. And that's where the, 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 uh, the Ark of the Covenant was. The priest only went back there one time. But in the main room, there were three pieces of furniture. There was a table. We'll come back to that. There was a candelabra. Or um, what elsewhere is called the lampstand. That six-pronged thing, the, the lampstand. And then there was the altar of incense. You may remember that because if you've read Luke 1 lately, when Zechariah goes back to do his priestly duties, that's where Gabriel was standing who told him that his barren wife was going to have a baby who ultimately became John the Baptist. 
He was standing next to the altar of incense. That's one of the pieces of furniture. So you've got this candelabra or the lampstand. You've got the altar of incense and you've got a table. A table of showbread or it's also called the table of presence. All the dimensions were given. God specified as to how this thing was to be built and out of what it was to be built. It was to be built of acacia wood. It was about, it was a rectangular. Um, it was about uh, three feet long, about uh, 18 inches wide and about two and a half feet tall. It was to be covered with pure gold. And it had four legs and it had a ring, a ring on each leg. <clears throat> and what those rings were for is that they would, they would slide poles through the rings so that they could carry it. Two poles on each side and there would be four priests and they would lift up the thing without ever touching the table. They would lift it up and they would carry it. Nobody was to touch that thing. Uh, they were just to carry it because of the rings on the side. But as you noted, on that table was to be bread. Bread. The bread of the presence. Bread of the, the, the show bread. Those are the same thing. But guys, over in Leviticus 24, and I was going to take you over there, but you don't need to go over there. Let me just take my word for it. You can look at it this afternoon to figure out whether I'm telling you the truth. But the bread was also specified. I mean, it, it was the ingredients were given. And um, uh, the, the size is not specified. But do you remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil told him, why don't you turn those stones into bread? Well, in my mind's eye, I see the, the, the loaves about like that. The main part that is pointed out in Luke 24 is that there were to be 12 of them. 12 loaves of bread in two piles. Six and six. Now, you can certainly figure out, can you not, what that symbolized. Now, one other thing, and, and we'll get to work here. The table of showbread in, in the, the, the holy place, in that main room of the, of the tabernacle, was across from the lampstand that was always to be lit. And light always symbolized the presence of God. So guys, here's the point. Twelve loaves, two piles, representing Israel, always were to exist in the presence of God. Of course, God is the great giver of the bread. That's another layer. Jesus in the New Testament calls himself the bread. That, that, that too is a, is another layer of the whole idea. But guys, Israel in this place called the holy place via the symbol of bread was always to be living, was always to be found in the under the watchful and caretaking 
scrutinizing eye of the presence of God. So guys, these elements that we're about to uh, participate in, they're not, I mean, they're going to taste like bread, they look like bread, they tear like bread. But they're supposed to remind you of something. They're supposed to help you think through again what it is that is meaningful to you. And, and in, and in our tradition, that is the whole Protestant world, not just, not just me as a Presbyterian, but Baptist and Methodist and Lutherans, what we're saying is, is that when you participate with these elements, joining that participation with faith, then you are communing with the one who called himself bread. You're communing with Christ. And that's why we call this communion. So my invitation to you this morning is simply, come commune. Just you and the one you call your Savior. Come by faith and use this symbol to remind you of God's promised presence to his people forever. Our Father, I do pray that this will be more than a ritual, that you will, uh, that you will meet us here, that you'll take these symbols and make them more than just something in which we go through motions, but that by faith we might be able to look beyond the symbol to the reality of which the symbol speaks. Might your people benefit not, not by my um, instructions, but benefit by taking hold of that which symbolizes their Savior and drink it down and swallow it so that they might find themselves with a greater sense of intimacy to the one to whom we belong. We ask that, of course. In Jesus' name and for his sake.